0: This podcast is brought to you by Alliance Motor Auctions. Has your car shit itself? Then you've got to go with Alliance. It's the easiest way to buy a quality car at a very competitive price. Located in Moorbank, New South Wales. Call 02-9822-7200 or visit www.allianceauctions.com.au. South Coast Window Furnishings. Have your window furnishings shit themselves? Then you've got to get in touch with SCWF. They service the south coast of New South Wales from Wollongong to Bermagui. Give Jamie a call for a free quote on 0408 812 007 or like them on Facebook at South Coast Window Furnishings. Elite Sports Physiotherapy. Has your back or another part of your body shit itself? Then look no further than ESP. Established in 2006, Elite Sports Physiotherapy provides physiotherapy and massage services to the people of melbourne located on the mezzanine level 13-15-1 freshwater place in south bank melbourne give them a call on 03-8640-0328 or visit elitesportsphysio.com.au today also special thanks to verse.com.au for putting the finishing touches on this podcast cheers G'day there. Hope you're well. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this episode is one of Tasmania's finest exports, comedian Luke McGregor. Uh, Luke and I discussed a bunch of stuff. We discussed his early life uh, in Hobart, uh, how he started out in the comedy game, and how the fantastic show Rosehaven came about. This is Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Luke McGregor, thanks for taking it
1: easy with me today, how are you? Good mate, thank you for having me and for taking it easy with me too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no problem at all. Uh, what have you been up to today? What's uh, What's Sunday today? It's in the afternoon. What are it's you... Sunday, just doing this podcast
1: mate. Yeah. Um, all my plans have been interrupted, uh, <laughs> so uh, I, to, I had to cancel them so I could do this. <laughs>
0: so it better be good mate. Uh, <laughs> Did you have to cancel like brunch with any famous people for this? Um. God damn it! No, I <laughs> <laughs> couldn't, couldn't
1: even think of one off the top of my head to lie. Oh well,
0: uh, you're a Tassie boy, yeah, from Hobart. Now Hobart is one of my favourite places in the world. I really, really First time heard you say
1: that. What? First time heard you say that.
0: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I really have a, a bit of a soft spot for Hobart. Uh, do you look back now and realise it's quite a pretty amazing place to grow up? Yeah, it's. Um, I, I mean. I don't think I became aware of Tassie until I left it, you know, if that makes
1: sense. Because you're there and you're on an island and you're like, okay, I should eventually get out of here and (laughs) try the mainland. Yeah. And now that I'm here, when I go back, I'm like, oh, Tassie's great. Mm. Especially now it's got things like Mona and Dark Mofo and um, it's always had things like the taste of Tassie and stuff. And it's, um, I know, I always think of it as like a
0: mini New Zealand. Yeah. Like if you wanted to film like a lower budget Lord of the Rings, you could do it in Tassie. (laughs) Yeah. It's also got amazing places such as the Ball and Chain Bar and Grill. Oh, yep, yep. Salamanca Place, the best seafood chowder I've ever uh,
1: had. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure to pass it on next time I'm, I'm down there.
0: You know, um, you know the owners, obviously. Oh
1: you no, know, we yeah, but we all know each other. <laughs> um, yeah, it's um, and it's it's cool because you, especially filming uh, Rosehaven down there, you can um, you can drive not very far and you're in a completely different looking location. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's hilly. I like hills. I feel like on the mainland, especially Melbourne, it's pretty flat. It is flat. Yeah. Absolutely. Which Uh, is
0: great for riding your bike, but uh, not great if you want to take a selfie with some hills in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And another uh, favourite of mine in Hobart is Video City in North Hobart. Is it still there? Uh, Yeah. Oh, wow. Good good on them. Did you rent a few... DVDs from there back in the day back in the day all mm. the time i used to i
1: used to just have fun going there even if i didn't get anything Like, oh, would yeah. uh, mum and dad um go in hire a horror film for the family and I would just run around looking at all these films go to the horror section yeah. maybe or sneak over to the adult section and just uh, look see if you can catch a naked person it was um it was uh, it was it was a fun process yeah. you know it's, it's it's and it's it's weird because there's no one now will ever have that again there's no um uh, and there was a commitment to entertainment that um, you sort of underwent because you got in the car and you um, had to talk to someone and you had to own up to what you were renting, yeah. uh, which was difficult. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff I watch online now that I probably wouldn't go to the video store <laughs> in a bit too. So it's, uh, you know, it's... It's weird. It's yeah. uh, there's a whole generation of people who'll never get that experience of, um, of going to a video shop because I, I do mm. feel as much. I I I love um, that we've got all these online streaming services now, but I, I it, it does. Um, I do find I end up watching the same thing I've already seen before, yeah. or not getting too far out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, whereas sometimes I'd watch a film at the video shop just because it was all that was available. Yeah, the other ones are sold out, or I'd seen them. So um, and that was cool because sometimes you get a hidden gem or something. But mm. um, and you
0: can't get a chalk top or a bit of popcorn.
1: Oh, Uh, yeah, Uber Uber Eats. That's true. (laughs) Shit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You never have to leave. Yeah, I went to uh, Video City earlier this year and I just – Xavier Michelidis, our friend, we've gigged with the last few nights. He was just in Hobart last week and he went to Video City, still open. uh, And we spoke to the owner earlier this year in about February and he said they were looking at closing eventually this year. Mm. And uh, I just think Australia needs to get around and just keep this one open – Because nostalgia-wise, it is amazing to walk in. It's probably as big as five regular video stores. It's it's huge.
1: Massive, yeah. It's it's hard though because um, since we moved to DVD, you know, VHS you could really beat up. You could beat them around. You could put a coffee cup on them and it's fine. Whereas DVDs are a little bit more uh, scratch. You know, they can scratch and they can um, warp. and I don't know. It just seems like it's… they they're not as easily rentable, mm. and sometimes I'll get a DVD from um, those vending machines they they had, um, and I go to put it and then I'm gonna look at it and go I don't want to put that in my PlayStation it's too dirty. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um yeah. yeah I don't know if I don't know maybe if um iTunes
0: only lets you download from a storefront or something. Yeah. <laughs> you can to bring a USB with you. Yeah. Uh, if you're ever in Hobart, North Hobart, go to Video City, buy something, just keep them. Keep them alive for us. Assuming it's still there, I guess. Uh, yeah. When they listen when you to this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I've seen photos of you uh, online you've put up before and you've also talked about it on stage about what you looked like when you were a kid. Growing up in Hobo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had red hair, the glasses, braces. Were you a target for shithead kids? Uh, I had a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of bullying
1: growing up, yeah. Um it was I think it was just because I was I was uneasy. Yeah, I think I'm easy because uh it's uh, if someone's sort of not doesn't have a defined feature, it's a little harder to you've gotta be quite clever with your um, with what whatever mm. you insult them with. Whereas when you got braces it's easy. If you've got big red hair it's easy. Freckles yep. easy. um glasses easy. But it was um I don't think I would be a comedian without it Yeah, because you had to get good Yeah, at
0: – And that's what you use? You use humour to
1: – Yeah, usually to diffuse it, usually to – that sort of, you know, that eight-mile style of yeah, yeah. bagging yourself out before they do. Yeah. Gotcha, got in too quick. <laughs> yeah. I already hate myself, so you got nothing. <laughs> Yeah, so I found it hard, um, and I was—I was pretty. I had, I've got two really um, good-looking brothers. I—I so um, I always was jealous of them growing up too, and because I was the older brother, I was just—I um, just, just grew up bitter and just going, Meh. Right. just like, um, you know, uh, just just wanting to be um, more attractive and and being constantly reminded that I wasn't. Um, it was weird. It was uh, hard. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, you know, people had way harder school than I did, and uh, but it's. Um, it was uh, the hard, I, one, I remember once a girl had a crush on uh, one of my teachers uh, was a um, uh, one of my teachers was a sort of distant cousin of mine and uh, they found she found out we were related and he was v- very handsome mm-hmm. like um, wouldn't look out of place in a magazine huh? yeah. and uh, and uh, she said to me this is a girl had a crush on too she said um, how can he look like him and you look like you. <laughs> And I went, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I don't know how I can twist it into a positive <laughs> um, So, yeah, looks was a real big issue for me growing up. I was always really conscious about it. It's funny, mm. as you, and as you get older, it just becomes less and less of a thing because, yeah. um, I don't know, it's not as um, – I think my life becomes less affected by it because it's mm. – um, I, I, I guess I, I still worry about it, but, mm. it's, um, but growing up, it was, a, it was like a – it was a real, mm. a real issue. Every day I looked in the mirror, and uh, I still get it, but it's not as
0: not as much anymore. Yeah, and, and did you have friends that were in a similar level of attractiveness? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, but it was always just friends with similar interests. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, it was more about I, I really like computer games and um, Star Trek and uh, cartoons and. It was um, easy to find kids who were into the same thing, yeah. and whereas some of the more whereas I wasn't really friends with kids who were more sporty growing up, or um, or cooler. Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't. Um, so yeah, it was just it was very much that click. Yeah. Have you seen uh, the guys that gave you shit since? Like now that you're adults, and have you do you have much contact with them when you go back to? Yeah. Home?
1: And every single every time I've uh, interacted with someone who I, who I used to get bullied by, it's been. It's been nice, you know. Yeah. People seem to mellow out as they get older. Like you yeah. go to your school reunion all ready to go, all right, here we go. Yeah. Um, and uh, then, you know, then you meet them all and everyone's pretty pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> all I can't remember, do you remember in Year 7 when yeah. you threw my shoe in the bin? Yeah. That was my favourite shoe. And like, sorry, who are you? Luke. <laughs> oh, man, I'm so sorry. No, I did do that. <laughs> well, you did.
0: Yeah. They go either one, one or two ways. People who are shit like bullies from school, mm. they either become, they realise and they try and make up for, what they did or they just end up in jail. Were you tall at school? Did you have any problems with bullying? Um I was lucky in that I my, my dad was sort of like a well-known in the footy club in Boatman's Bay. He's like coached all the older kids. So I had a lot of older kids that knew who I was from being a ball boy and I kind of felt looked after at school. Yeah. Um, I used to get called head on a stick because I had a huge head <laughs> and just this really thin <laughs> body <laughs> uh, or a lollipop like I had a <laughs> right. yeah um, sorry to laugh man I'm laughing at something else yeah. But, yeah. but yeah I used to try and use use a bit of humour to, to to um it's it's to like that's because
1: that's quite clever it's quite yeah. funny. <laughs> no, yeah. it's quite a funny one it's, it's, it's a guy called Chris I can't remember his last name but he um when I got my braces he called me uh twinkle tooth and I just started laughing I'm like that's pretty funny
0: <laughs> so um w- were you a stand-up comedy fan when you were no
1: a kid no no I didn't had- wasn't really aware of it growing up. I uh, I, I knew comedy was a thing. Yeah. Um, I just didn't really have any favourites, and I, didn't, I never really sat in and watched one. I, I, I might see it in pa- and my parents weren't either, so my exposure to it was pretty limited until pretty later, pretty late in life. Never saw it live before I did it live.
0: Yeah. So how, how did you? Where do you think your humour, your sense of humour, came from then?
1: I think the fact that I was funny looking, mm-hmm. I think, helped me realise that I was. I could make people laugh with less effort than most people would, right. would, would need. And then, I don't know, I just started to um, – I just linked laughter and humour to um, friendship and less bullying. Yeah, yeah. So I was just getting constantly rewarded in life by being funnier. Yeah. So I would just strive to be funnier and funnier just because it was, um, it was just a nice part of my life and it was, um, it was helping yeah. me cope. With yeah. things. Even mum and dad, you know, if they would be yelling or something, if I could make them laugh too. It, seemed to, it was a great diffuser and I, I just I got really good at using it, I yeah.
0: suppose. Uh, you studied at the University of Tasmania? Yeah. Yeah. For how many years were you there?
1: Well, seven. Seven? Did uh, three different degrees. I did, uh, started doing law and economics and then I did economics and... Arts and then I went and did, uh, we did with philosophy because I found out Bruce Lee did philosophy. So I'm like, oh, I should do philosophy. <laughs> um, and then I uh, you
0: find a lot of similarities between you and him. Oh man, Bruce life.
1: Lee is my hero above all others. Wow, there's no one I adore more than Bruce Lee. He mm-hmm. is, uh, he's been an inspiration my whole life, even though I can't fight and I'm not fit. Like, my path is so different than his, but he talks about. Being emotionally honest mm-hmm. and honestly expressing oneself, and that has bled into every aspect of my comedy. Wow! Like, I, when I feel like I'm in the zone, I feel like I'm being Bruce Lee or something. Yeah. Um, he's just, I don't know, there's something that he's just was so magnetic. I've no idea what he was like as a person, I only know him through books and interviews and blah blah blah. Terrible, it, apparently. Oh, really? No. Uh, <laughs> man, that sucks. Uh, but, um yeah, I I just I don't know. He I, I remember seeing the first film of his when I was little, and it was just this guy who was short and not you know not that buff, and he was able to defend himself so well, mm. and um, and just had no um didn't feel like there was any filter between him and the camera. I don't know. It was he was just he was just incredible. Um, it's interesting, yeah. Yeah. So he's he's been probably the biggest influence in my life um, of anyone of of people I haven't met. Bruce Lee is by far the one that's had the biggest impact on me.
0: I think if you asked anyone that knew you who would Luke's biggest influence be on his life, I think <laughs> the last yeah. most people would say is Bruce Lee. It's got to be Bruce Lee, right? Yeah. <laughs> Surely.
1: Bruce Lee or Carrot Top, one of those two. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I, um, I still... Um, you know, I'll just chuck on a YouTube bit of him fighting yeah. or something. I just, I don't know. I just, I, or an interview or something. He's, uh, and when I went to Hong Kong for the roadshow, um, I just went around just to see where he filmed Into the Dragon. Mm-hmm. So just, yeah. just like looked, took a photo with where he walked down some stairs yeah. in the film. And Christ. yeah, it's weird. He, uh, uh, he's probably my, um, oh, I can't think of anyone who's,
0: close to that. Do you have a poster of him in your room, like a frame?
1: I've got a poster of him yeah. at home in Tassie, um, but I wasn't able to bring it with me when I came to Melbourne, so when I have um, I keep meaning to chip it up, but mm. I just haven't yet, because I'm staying with Tommy Little, so yeah. I um, don't know where to put it at the
0: moment, but I, I, I will, when I settle in, I will put that back up. Do you reckon your fans know that you're a big Bruce Lee fan? Fans? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well if you're listening, mate, uh I'm a big Bruce Lee fan. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, no, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if any, I don't know if I really I don't know how publicly I've talked about whether mm. the' I'm a big fan of Bruce Lee. I I, I talk about, I put a Rosehaven reference in there. Yeah. Um about Bruce Lee. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna put in a I was gonna put in something about uh I can't remember there was some sort of reference we had to get to go through the Bruce Lee Foundation or whatever it was mm. to get approval on not, I c can't remember what we couldn't get approval for, but well, I, I just put a Bruce Lee quote basically in Rosehaven right. and um
0: Nice little touch, little, yeah. Little, little tribute. Try
1: to put a Ghostbusters quote in there today. Uh, who are you going to call in this season? Yeah, because I'm a huge fan of Ghostbusters, and um, I uh, we couldn't get it. We you have to pay a large fee to say who you're going to call in, really? a, in a TV show. Yeah, um, and there's also um, a limit on what you can uh, do with advertising. Just so you know, not every show is walking around going, "Who are you going to call?" Yeah. <laughs> so we, I think we changed the line to, "Who are you going to ring?" Or something. like that. <laughs> 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 Which, Yeah, I think it works just as well. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Uh, when you were at university, uh, did comedy ever come into your periphery? There, did, it, um, did you see any gigs around Tassie?
1: I, uni was when um, uni was when I discovered comedy because my friend uh, was entering raw comedy, the yeah. competition in Australia, and uh, he, I went along to support him, um, and someone didn't show up, so I I said, uh, "Can I take their spot?" Yeah, because I was pretty drunk, um, <laughs> and just did a couple of terrible. But I spent two and a half minutes just psyching the crowd up for my performance, yeah. telling them how good they were, telling people to put down their drinks because they're going <laughs> to spill it on themselves. Like really, like it was it, it was working well. People were laughing and they were really genuinely excited. And this, you'd never done a gig, before, never done a gig before, yeah. and I just thought it'd be I think I just thought it'd be funny to do a to just psych the audience up, even though i have never done a gig. I just, I just thought it'd be funny to psych the audience up yeah. for something that they've. For, a gear, for something I've never done. Like, <laughs> yeah. I said, that'll be funny. Yeah. And it, that, it, it was. It worked. It worked yeah. really well. The crowd, I, I really had them. And in that second two and a half minutes, I had no material. Right. And I slowly lost everyone. <laughs> and it was ended up being terrible. But there was just a little period there at the start where a little spark lit. And I'm like, this is fun. yeah, And I've done it ever since. And that yeah. was back in
0: 2007. So then you went back in 08. And ba- entered Roar again.
1: Back in the way to do Roar again and got into the uh, national finals. Yeah. Um, That's a pretty interesting
0: first gig, just having the balls to get up on the night. I don't know too many people oh, like alcohol this. helped her. You know? <laughs> I'm not going to say it was bravery. Um, <laughs> what yeah. are you channeling. You're in a Bruce. In a Bruce.
1: <laughs> no, just Bruce. Um, uh, I was tipsy enough to know what I was doing, but um, not sober enough that I was nervous. Mm. Um, and also... I didn't care yeah. because i never I didn't know stand up was gonna be a thing for me. So I didn't I didn't have any stakes in the game. I was fine. Mm. I, I no one, barely anyone I knew was there. So it was um it, there was it felt like there was no risk to just yeah. get up and muck around. And if it didn't work, I just walked back off stage and never do it again. But it, <laughs> it did work and since then now I feel nervous because now I now I care. Yeah.
0: So you you went back to raw comedy, made that final and you moved up to Melbourne not long after that.
1: Yeah, maybe the that year or the year after or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And did you
0: feel like uh, things were starting to happen? Like once you once no. moved up here, or did you... I thought when I got in the raw
1: finals, it's just going to be yeah, smooth sailing <laughs> to the top. Um, but no, nah, uh, I remember just going to clubs and just going. Got in the raw national finals, and like, good for you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, Janet McLeod, who runs um local laughs, was really good uh to me early on. She gave me my first gig sort of coming up to Melbourne. Mm. Um, but uh, it was t- it was tough and just going to rooms and just you know, because you have to, I mean, you know what it's like, you just have to hang around mm. and just wait yeah. and just, just show that you're loyal to the room. And then after a couple of months, they might put you on, and then you pray to God <laughs> that um, you do a good gig as yeah. you don't get on for another six months, <laughs> but uh. Yeah, it was. Um, but it was kind of as horrendous as it was. it Was also kind of exciting because I don't know. It felt like I was p- part of something a bit bigger. Mm. Whereas in Tassie, I, I got to the point in Tassie where I was. Um, I could, I could do. Go, I could do any gig I wanted if yeah. I asked to get up, they'd put me up. And uh, and I and I was writing new every gig because the same people come to the gig. Right. Whereas when I got to Melbourne. You know, I was watching. I remember Xavier McLadies was one of the first comics I saw, and he had a bit about Windows, um, and how um, Windows uh, the paperclip or something, the Windows paperclip, and how it'll save, um, how it gives you how it. And he just did this impression of it and how it talks to you, and uh, <laughs> and I, I just I, I thought it was so funny and just so much higher quality than anything I'd seen up until that point in Tassie yeah. because it, we, we were all just writing new yeah. every week, um, whereas he's someone who's had a bit. Honed it, yeah. Made right. it, made it, made it nice, and um, and I just went, oh my god, the quality um, is uh, it was it was just incredible. Yeah. Um, so and that was a f- and I and then I had to relearn how to do. So when I finally was doing gigs, I had to learn how to do the same bit with the same yes, yeah, pizzazz. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I, I would do a new bit. I would do the same bit I'd done the first time. I did the same bit again. I'm just like, oh,
0: so gross. Yeah. No one wants
1: to hear this. Everyone's heard it. Yeah. No one had heard it. Now I'm still doing bits of road yeah. years ago, but you know you just don't know at the time. Absolutely.
0: When, yeah, well, I moved up to Melbourne in 2010, and you, you yeah, I, I think I met you just the year before that. Um, but just when I came to Melbourne, everybody kind of knew when you were doing spots. Everybody knew you were sort of headed somewhere. Like you, you could definitely see. Everybody was like, "Oh, McGregor, you know, he'll be fine in a few years' time once he's." got his name out there just write some good jokes <laughs> <laughs> stop doing that karate stuff uh, yeah you didn't do a first show though at the festival a first debut show until no, no, I f- five years later
1: I think. yeah, yeah. So, so
0: why did you wait so long
1: um i just didn't feel i was ready um didn't want to rush it so smart
0: though to wait that because i i feel like i went in too early to my first solo show so the first 50 minute show I kind of wish I'd have waited a couple more years.
1: Yeah, I usually tell people I don't know if the advice is good or not, but I usually tell people wait until you think you're ready, and then wait one more one more year. Right. Just because um, then you're going to be hungry. Yeah. You know, then yeah. you then you're gonna then you're gonna. Um, it's like finishing an essay in time, mm. and then being told you got one more month to work on it if you want, mm-hmm. and just polish it up. And you've got to be careful because you can spend too much time analyzing jokes that already work. But because the good thing about comedy is that you've got. Feedback. It's mm. not like you're sitting there with a book that no one's going to read until you actually put it out there. Yeah. So you're constantly overanalyzing it. Whereas with jokes, um, you, you, you know when they're working consistently because you can hear the feedback. So mm. that joke then becomes locked in. Yeah. And um, so the longer you wait, the more of those locked in jokes you get. And yeah. so by the time I did my first show, I had five years of material I was really happy with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had no regrets waiting. But, um,
0: well, it paid off too, didn't it? Because you won Best Newcomer yeah, 2013 yeah. at the um, Melbourne Comedy Festival.
1: Yep. Yep. Thanks, mate. I was going to mention that if you didn't. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, And now it's weird because now I um, now I do feel like I'm in a bit of a uh, conveyor belt of feeling like I have to do a show every one or two years. Mm. And this will be the first time I've waited. um, This will be I I, I would have waited. I'm not doing a show next year, so I'm actually going to be waiting three years to do my next show. Just because I um I I, that same thing I believed when I did my first show is that I want to feel like like I want to be busting at the gut to do Mm. one. I don't want to be Oh, Yeah, I can probably write one in time, yeah, and that's kind of um, how I felt. Um, occasionally with shows, it's just I'm happy with them, but I'm just um, but I it's 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 I'm doing it because it's fun, but not necessarily because I'm really driven. Mm. Like that first show, I really wanted to get something out there, and then the show after that, I was um, I really wanted to do it because I um, I just wanted to see if I could do it again, yeah, you know, because all that material up until that point was old, mm. had a heaps of time to mature, and then I only had another year to write another one yeah. or whatever, and then. Then the third show was um, um I was smack in the middle of rose having and some other stuff and it was um and I, I I really enjoyed doing it but um um this year I just thought oh just 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 wait yeah. just don't, don't don't book one in unless you really I, I I just I just thought to myself I wouldn't book one in unless I already had an idea I was really happy with before I had to sign that sheet to say I would be doing it yeah so I'm just I'm just so I yeah, so I didn't do it this year I My, think it's
0: a nice position to be in and I think once you. Yeah, because you've got your Rose and things coming out as well. So you're not, so a stand up. If you're just doing stand up alone and you had three years off, people would probably be like, "Where? What happened to that?" that, that, that but that, you're still kind of in the public eye.
1: That, that's true, and uh, I haven't always had that um, hmm. option. Yeah. Uh, in the past, I have needed it for just for the income, you know, just yep. for regular income. Also, I do believe that even if you don't have any idea what your show is, and then you sign the registration forms, call the show jokes just because you want to keep it generic um, and then, you know, you, there's no, you could still write an absolutely amazing show in between because sometimes creativity on a deadline can be really good. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's a bad thing to um, sign up. I just I just thought because I have the option this year I'll, I'll take yeah. it and see yeah. what happens. Great.
0: You're listening to Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Hey, before we go back to the podcast, I want to tell you about someone. That someone is Melbourne-based photographer Nicole Reed, One of the most sought-after photographers going around, Nicole has taken photos for all sorts of people. Comedians like Peter Hellyer and Anne Edmonds, musical acts like the Hilltop Hoods, and sports stars like Buddy Franklin. If you want to see how great her work is, I suggest you head over to her Instagram page. It's Nicole Reed Photographer. While you're at it, you may as well jump on her website, which is www.nicolereid.photography get in contact and book in a shoot today. Now let's get back to the podcast. Uh, After you won the Best Newcomer in 2013, things started to really take off for you. You did a bit bit of acting in uh, It's a Day, Utopia. Uh, Was acting ever on your radar or was that just something that just came Mm. and you thought, I'll just give it a go? I just
1: sort of came. And uh, for a long time, I've Played um, characters that are pretty much just me, um, yeah. but maybe with, um, I don't know, either less or more anxiety or um, just in a different job. So I'm, I'm never allowed to really push myself as an actor mm. to do something that I'm not, that's not congruent with my personality in real life.
0: Well, how would you feel if you got asked to do a Bruce Lee biopic or something?
1: Uh, I, I think the, the whitewashing uh, feedback <laughs> on the <sounded> is pretty intense. <laughs> uh, uh, but it's um yeah I uh, I don't know I, I I'd love to play something that's a bit against type but yeah. acting just was just sort of one of those things I sort of fell into and mm-hmm. uh, and, and I found it fun yeah and I, I loved the fact that you know if I stuff something up I could do another take whereas in stand up you know you kind of just oh that joke was did that joke wrong so yeah. it was kind of nice um, but yeah I'd, I'd love to do more of it I um I uh, did you take any classes or anything or you just no I did take speech therapy though yep. um. Not that it's uh, coming across now because I've got a retainer in <laughs> so my uh, tooth head out, but it's. Um, I was taking speech therapy classes because I was um, I was mumbling a lot, mm. and uh, so I wanted to be clearer, uh, to, to, just to maintain the same comic timing but be clearer. Whereas I was finding that I was when I, the more um, I would enunciate, um, the less I'd be able to do the comic timing I'm used to. Yeah. So I would try to. Um, so I went to a speech therapist to give me techniques to um, be as clear yeah. while still having the same rapid-fire timing. did you find
0: that worked? Yeah,
1: but i I, I got to be – I'm not diligent with it. Um, I, I, I was doing the exercises every day and I was noticing a difference and then mm. as I got better, I'm like, great, stop the exercises and then I started <laughs> to fall back again in old
0: habits. What sort of exercises are we talking about?
1: Push-ups? Uh, push-ups um, on, on the tongue, uh, just <laughs> using your tongue to push yourself up. Um, and then stuff like um, just – I mean, if if the line was um, – let's say the line was, um, uh, hey, what time are you coming in today? You would say it very clearly. Yeah. Like when you rehearse the line, hey, what, hey when are you coming in today? You'd say it, um, hey, when are you coming in today? And you would do big mouth movements and yeah. you would say it in the most exaggerated way you could. Mm-hmm. And then also putting your tongue up against your um a, a cheek, just chucking it up against your left cheek and then trying to say it, um, when are you coming in today is, right. is hard because you've got your tongue there so you really have to move your mouth to get the words out. Mm-hmm. And those two, te- that just those two things. Um, learning the lines like that, when I actually went to say them out loud, I would say it clearly, mm. even though, and, and I would say it fast. I guess in the same way. I don't know if this works, but running with weights, and then when you take the weights off, maybe you run faster. Yeah. I don't know if that is actually a thing, but that's what it felt like with the with the
0: uh, with the speech therapy. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm a mumbler from way back, and mm. yeah, that's good. Good little tips. I might try that myself.
1: Man, it's a it's a really simple one. Yeah. If you get lines of a script and you feel like you're um if you feel like you're not um saying it clearly enough, just that one technique is rehearse it big and then you can pull it back in the yep. in the actual read and it's uh, it
0: helps, yeah. We might do a few exercises after this if you've got a bit of time. Sure, buddy. Sure. <laughs> Tank push ups. He's shaking his head as we speak. Um He's already left <laughs> In 2016, uh, you wrote and presented the show Lukewarm Sex on ABC, uh, which is a documentary about body image uh, and sexuality, uh, something you had struggled with. Um, how hard was that for you, not only uh, trying to overcome the fear, but also doing that on camera to thousands of people?
1: Oh, pretty hard. <laughs> uh, it was fine. At the start, it was just like uh, I, I i had so – I. I almost no sex in my life at that point. I'd only had sex twice at like 31 or something when we filmed that. Mm-hmm. So I um, I just kind of had gotten used to the fact that I probably just won't be someone who has sex and oh, that's fine. And uh, maybe I'll never have a girlfriend um, and that's okay. I'll just learn to cope with that. Um, uh, and so when that docker came along um, – because I started talking about sex in stand-up and uh, when that docker came along, I was um, – I just thought, oh, I've got nothing to lose, you know. I'm not really having sex now. So if I do the doc and no one wants to have sex with me, then that's just my life now. So that's fine. Yeah. Um, so that's something that gave me, it gave me a little bit of courage that maybe I wouldn't have had otherwise. Also, being on camera gave me an excuse to ask questions yeah. that, um, you know, might sound like they're on behalf of the audience but they're yeah. actually just for me. <laughs> yeah. So I have no idea. Like even just asking about what contraception is available to women, I had no idea. Yeah. And I feel like that's important to know or… or um. Uh, just little things like the difference between a vulva and a vagina, I didn't mm-hmm. know. And all these things I was, I was, questions I was scared to ask. And, yeah. um, and, uh, to doing that, Docker was a, it was huge for me because I was able to ask those questions and feel like I could. It, 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 the, the fear of it didn't really kick in until, um, it came to, uh, putting it on TV. And I'm like, oh my God, what if everyone hates this? Because I was so vulnerable in that I was just like, if this is badly received, I don't know what I'm going to do. Cause I, um, and I was worried maybe I'd stop me getting any other work or anything like right, that, right. or um, if I if comedy failed, then I wouldn't be able to get my old job back and things like that. It was a, it was a, there was a lot of fear there. Also, you know, just that it's a sensitive topic for you know a lot of people, and I um, I didn't want to do it a disservice mm. uh, uh, because uh, you know uh, I'm a straight guy, so mm. I didn't have I've un- a, I've only got a limited experience um, and uh, a limited um, outlook on this stuff, so I don't. I was worried that maybe I didn't cover enough topics um, better for people who weren't like me. So hopefully, you know. It, 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 but the the biggest thing that I took from that was just that communication is key. Yeah. So no matter who you are, if you're having sex, communicate, and it's going to be better. So, and so talk um, about it. Talk about it. Don't because in movies, every time you see someone having sex, they um, it's like. Like they, All of a sudden it's spontaneous and it's no talking mm. and then it cuts to a shot of the window or whatever and you assume it all went well and they finished it the exact same time <laughs> and then they wake up and it's uh, great. No one ever talks about it again. It's just yeah. like, what a great night. Oh, what great sex we had. <laughs> Next scene, which in real life, you know, um, maybe someone likes the lights on, maybe someone likes the lights off, maybe someone likes to do it on top of the sheets, under the sheets, uh, maybe someone's got a sporting injury, maybe yeah. someone doesn't like to be touched somewhere where in the past you've touched people and they've loved it, yeah. uh, you know, and it's... Um, there's so many factors. Uh, maybe you've got a maybe you've got a, a, a rash or something, you know, mm. just from a um, just from I don't know falling on the ground or whatever, yeah. and you know, just from a grass stain or something. And then you're like, <laughs> oh no, I don't want to tell them about my rash. I don't want to mention the rash because then they want to have sex with me. But also, the rash is really going to hurt if we do this position. <laughs> There's just so much stuff, Yeah. and it's just one of those things where. Um, as soon as you just talk about it it's fine it's just like hey I, I don't really like that but I really like this mm. and then they go okay great and then they, I feel like that gives you more and then you can have those spontaneous moments with your partner where it's crazy and it's um, you know random because you can um, because you've already talked about what you yeah, like so yeah. you can sort of go there and I'm still learning I'm still um, sex is still um, even when I was d- dating someone long term I, um, I still found it difficult just knowing because I was so used to not having sex uh, I wasn't that sexual yeah. um, in the relationship uh, so I'm, you know, I'm still working my way through, but it's not, it's not, a, it's not a. Now it feels like a learning process as, as opposed to something that I'll. I'm scared of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now it just feels like another thing I'm learning. <sighs> yeah,
0: and I feel like that, you know, releasing that documentary, like sex is spoken about so much. You know, the only thing you really hear about sex is people that are having it, and yeah, and things are sold. You know, everything's sexualized, and everybody thinks that everyone's having sex and that it's happening all the time when in reality it's, you know, there's couples that have been in relationships for years that are really, you know, the sex life drops off. Yeah. Like there might be a, a few young single people that are just having lots, but generally not everyone's having... So. No,
1: and, and and no one knows exactly what a, a good amount of sex is. Like some people mm. might be in a couple, and they're once a month. It's great. Some people mm. might be like, unless it's every couple of days, it's just like, oh, we're drying up. Like it's yeah. um, and it's yeah, which is dumb because whatever it's just whatever you want. Yeah. But yeah, sex is like Instagram, I think, or social media. It mm. looks like everyone's having a better time than you. Yeah, but no one's. No. Nah. Everyone's the same. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I guess what I mean is like did you get a lot of feedback from people with that that oh, heaps, really yeah. related to? Yeah. Like
1: people would just run up to me in the street and say something sexual. do you want to have sex? Oh, yeah. Have sex? <laughs> yeah. I wish. Uh, um, people would like I had one lady at a pub just run up to me and said, My boyfriend and I haven't had sex in eleven years. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, I don't know I don't know what to do. <laughs> oh. You should talk to him and yeah. not me about it. Uh um that might help her. Um yeah. But, you know, it's scary and also I guess if you have a period without sex for a while it starts to become an issue. I remember my, my, my very first girlfriend, we never had sex because I was so scared about it and I was also scared to tell her that I was a virgin and mm. I had no idea what I was doing. So every time we would sort of go towards that to the point where I couldn't even get an erection yeah. with her, even though I was physically attracted to her because I was so frightened. Yeah. Um, and that just stayed with me for ages. I um I uh, I just couldn't – um, sex was just something that was just – so frightening to me,
0: yeah. Once it's in your head, yeah. It's, it's, I just, uh,
1: um, so my whole life was, um, uh, that sort of, uh, right up until, uh, sort of early 30s where I started to do that docker and it started to change.
0: Hmm. And as a result of the docker, do you feel it helped you? Like now, you, you're you quite happy to root, <laughs>
1: <laughs> mate. You should do a docker. Let me talk about it now, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I still get um I still have my dumb O C D stuff about germs and diseases yeah. and things like that. But I, yeah. I, I, I do um it's not scary anymore. Now it's fun. Now yeah. it's now it's just and it's and it's not a big deal. It's just something that happens. It's like you know, it is obviously a big deal, but it's not us as, as well. Like so it's yeah. like it's like kissing. It's like if two people um are um into each other and that's something they want to do, then it's just something that happens Yeah. And if, if they and uh, if you don't want to, that's fine too. It's just, it's just like I don't know. it's just become like a. It's a, the, the the breakthrough for me was being able to talk about it. Mm, um, yeah. after that everything changed. Um, yeah. but so now it's not so much that um, sex is now a big part of my life or anything. It's just that it's not a um, it's not something
0: that I'm scared of anymore. Yeah. it's just it's now it's just a part
1: of my life. Right.
0: Is that shown in schools at all? Do you know that you're? Oh no, idea. It'd be I mean, fantastic to show to sixteen to eighteen year olds. Can't remember if we're swearing it or not.
1: If there are Jeez. any swear words. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. That, that, yeah, I, like if I had seen something that when I was that age, um, it just would have opened my eyes a bit and been a good good little tip moving forward.
1: Man, I'm sorry I didn't get onto it earlier. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, my, it's my bad.
0: <laughs> uh, also in 2016, first series of Rosehaven aired, uh, which is written by and stars yourself and Celia Pocola. Yep. Where did the idea for Rosehaven come from?
1: Um, we knew we wanted to do something together where we were it's us against the world in some way. Because mm-hmm. Silas and I had we met on YouTube and we just had a really similar sense of humour. And then uh ABC were kinda of do something with us. So um yeah, we wrote we wrote a we wrote a really long pitch for a different show. Um Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee Biopic. <laughs> uh and um spent ages on it. Thought this is this is, the, this is going to change the world. Yeah. This, is the best, this is the best show in the whole world. And then we, I got halfway through a pitch to the ABC and I think in the first seven seconds they're like, man, eh, no, really, I'm not ready for us. What else you got? <laughs> so Rosehaven was like, you know, quite a few ways down the line yeah. as a pitch. Um, but uh, it ended up being our favourite idea. I don't know why we didn't think of it first, but it was because um, we, we were thinking about, all right, what if we were cops? What if we were, I don't know, what if one of us worked in the psychic hotline and the other one was calling in or... Yeah. Just all these different ideas, and uh, then Rosehaven was um, just made sense because my family are in real estate. Celia is from a small town, and mm-hmm. um, um, and we just thought that would be really fun. It'd just be a fun location, Tassie, to film yeah. and. Um, uh, and we knew we wanted to do a show. And in the original draft, we were married. We were a married couple moving to Tasmania to run a business. Mm-hmm. But, um, as, you know, it slowly became apparent that the more the relationship was like like ours in real life, it's um, the yeah. b- more fun it was to write. So, also, you know, we wouldn't have been, we had to sit there running a bunch of kissing scenes, which is going to be weird. Uh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> But it was great. So it was, um, yeah, it just sort of came out of just wanting to put our friendship
0: on TV somehow yeah. and just working out what to write thing to put around it was yeah were you across most real estate lingo from that being in the family or did I, you
1: I knew to- a bit i knew um so i, 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 and I if where, where there was a gap, I was able to um do the um just call my parents or whatever yeah. or, my, or my brother um
0: did you give him a little credit in the?
1: Uh, oh mate, no! I'm taking full credit for the show. <laughs> Actually, my brother wrote a book about real estate, and he, um, I've got, I managed to get that book in the first episode. Oh, uh, I was just sitting on the car seat. It's one of the books my character reads. Uh, yes, yeah, so Mum and Dad would help. Uh, so I'd say, listen, um, is it realistic to um have uh, the uh, float, um, or someone's rental, um, the income they paid us get stolen? And Mum goes, Oh no, that would never happen. We put it straight in the safe. Yeah, but if it did happen, what would happen? Like, well, it wouldn't. Yeah, but if it did, well, we have things in place to make sure it doesn't. I'm like, all right, thanks for your help. And Celia was great because, um, because she grew up in a small town. Anything that, um, was sort of authentic to a small town, she knew about, which was really good. Yeah. Um, because uh, I, I, I grew up in Tassie, but I didn't grow up in a small town. We were in the, we were in the suburbs, mm. maybe 50 minutes drive right from the city. So, um, even though you know the burbs in Tassie is 50 minutes from the city, yeah. it's like so we're the equivalent of really far out of Melbourne, but um. Uh, so we sort of both had those. Whenever there was a gap in someone's
0: knowledge, the other person would fill it. Yeah, and it's shot in Tassie. Was that a? Um, did you get a bit of a kick out of that being able to go down? And- oh
1: mate, it was great. And you used uh, a lot of
0: local act- actors
1: as well. Yeah, yeah. We try to cast we, cast and crew. If we can get them in Tassie, we will. Mm. Um, so we only really go outside of Tassie if we if we really need to. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, having the um, I don't know, it was just fun. It was, just, yeah. it was cool going back to this place that I kind of um, I don't know. I had mixed feelings towards having time, just because I um, didn't really feel like I belonged anywhere, and I didn't, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, and I was, but, but, you know, getting bullied, growing up and stuff. And I don't know to come back and actually just be doing a job. I want I don't know, to, mm. to know that I'm coming back to the place I left to g- achieve that. It, it was cool, yeah, yeah it was nice, like that, right? it was a nice feeling. Yeah, yeah I, no, I had no idea how long it's going to last, but it was, it was, um, it was fun. It was yeah. fun to come back and then, you know just go to my school. With the middle finger. No, yeah. that wasn't. That was fine. It was, nice. um,
0: it was well received on ABC. It still is now. You're averaging over half a million viewers an episode. Was it? This is something you've you know you and Celia put a lot of effort into. It's your first go at writing. You know, a, a, narrative. Yeah, yeah. A narrative. yeah, Was it waiting for that first episode to come out? Was that stressful?
1: Uh the most stressful period was season one, just trying to work out whether we could make a show or not, like because yeah. neither of us had written a TV show before, and we're just like, can we? Are we able to do this? Mm. Like, are we even good enough to be able to pull this off? Because <laughs> once the words were in, once the once the writing was done, and the scripts were at a level we were happy with, and we, you know, we were able to do them at a middle live read, so we could sort of tell that they were funny um, to an audience. Um, but that initial period where we were sort of talking to the network and talking to producers and just going, I don't know if we can actually, we, we just we just didn't know if we could actually make a show. Mm. So that was really stressful. And now that that once that hurdle was over, and then we and then and then the filming of it was, a, and then I remember watching the first cut of the first episode, and like going, oh no, we've made the worst show in the <laughs> whole world, just because we, we were so. Um, not that the director and the editor had made a bad cut, just that we were so um, critical of our own performance and uh, seeing ourselves on screen for the first time and watching the show for the first time. And having no idea that the first cut of the show was like the first draft of the script, Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's that... Version of it, and it won't be that when it goes out. Yeah, and that now you go, now you sit with the editor, you sit with the director, and you make it as good as it can be. Yeah, and then being, and then you end up happy with the product that goes out, hopefully. Mm-hmm. But we just didn't know that, so we just watched the first cut. Oh no, of the jokes work? Oh, that camera angle's not working. It's just all <laughs> this thing, like just real panic. And now you know. Now, when I watched it, when I watched the first set, I'm like, great, okay, so let's um, tweet this, tweet this, and. Yeah. You know, but just experiencing all that fear for the first time was quite scary. Yeah. Um, knowing that, um, just not knowing that, uh, you know, it's a process of refinement. Yeah. yeah not
0: you you've got to nail it each time. Yeah. You mentioned the process. You just coming. You, you did a second season, and now you've just uh, you're finishing up production on a third season, which will come out early 2019. Yes, yeah, Feb I think February. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what what is the process when you and Celia first sort of sit down to write a script, like? Uh, are you having a go at writing an episode each, or we we do that eventually.
1: Yeah, write an episode each, um, and then swap over. But um, the first steps are usually just brainstorming ideas. Like, what mm-hmm. would be a fun? Like next season, if we get another season, I really want to do a real estate conference because yeah. I've we've got these conferences and they're really they're pretty dull. Yeah, and I just think it'd be fun to chuck our um, member in that environment. Um, <laughs> and uh, or we've never and we've never done a story about um, a competing real estate agency. We've never actually had a face to face with another agency, yeah. um, which would be cool. Um, uh, vampires, and have been vampires in the show, so Chuck, <laughs> we'll introduce those as well. Um, uh, but usually it's just brainstorming. This is what, what's, what's fun? What would make a fun thing to put an episode around? And then yeah. once we've got enough of those, then we'll start going into uh, how we might outline the arc of the series. Yeah. Like we knew in this season there was a couple of things we wanted to do with the characters. We, we didn't want to change the status quo too much, but there were a couple of things we wanted to change or – but yeah, once we've got that and then once we've got that skeleton, then we'll start then we'll take an ep, ep each and have a crack at it. Okay. Um and uh but the the skeleton's really important, uh, particularly for us because we're writing an episode each that um something in my episode doesn't necessarily rule out something happening in Celia's episode. Yeah. Or if, if something I do in mine has to have an effect on Celia's, we need to be across that. Yeah. I think if you're writing by yourself it's because you can you can just change it on you the fly. Yeah, but yeah. um but, uh, and it's fun it's fun to it's really fun to write a script and then hand it over to Celia and then she has her crack at it and come back and all the, read all the funny stuff she's written you yeah. know it's fun um she's right. sort of taken what you've done and then made it better um yeah. uh and it's um it's it's fun having someone else to do that with you know I'd love to write something uh, by myself at some point but um I think as long as Celia's willing I'll always at least try and run stuff
0: by her huh? yeah yeah great. Uh, what what uh script uh, editor are you using or using uh, Final Draft,
1: is it? Yeah, Final Draft. Yeah, yeah. I, I was using something called Celtics or something like that, yeah. uh, which is a free online program, which I found fine. Mm. Um, we only just, the reason we switched to Final Draft was I don't know, just because it's so industry wide, and also um, uh, sometimes when you're sending documents to people, they tend to have Final Draft. So, um,
0: it's good to know.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I do enjoy the I do enjoy using it. I think the usability of it's pretty good. Yeah, but I've never I've never other than Celtics I've never used another program, so I've got no All idea what's right. out there.
0: Does uh, it doesn't get easier to write for an established character the more episodes you make because you know exactly what that person's like?
1: Yeah, it does. Especially when you cast someone as well and mm. you start hearing their voice, um, it, it, it becomes way easier to write. And I think it's my—I my, don't know where I heard this or whether it's just something I made up. I think I've, I think I heard it from someone I can't remember, but I always try and picture a character stuck in an elevator <laughs> and uh, with another character from the show. Yeah. And if I can't work out what they would say to each other you know, stuck in a stuck-in-an-elevator scenario, mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of the, my go-to one or just some some sort of mundane scenario. But usually if they're stuck in an elevator, what would how would they react uh, and what would they say to each other, what decisions would they make, then I haven't cracked the characters yet. Right. Because sometimes um, there's a character we introduce in this season um, who's new um, – who um, is a um, – a relative of one of the other characters, through vague. I don't think anyone cares about the in show, but I'll just in case. I'll I'll try and keep it secret. But it's um, no one dies. Uh, so, um, but it's um, I just had we just had no idea how they talked, you know, because when you get a new blank new character, you're just like, all right, well, I wonder what they where, what were they like at school. Well, you have to invent it, mate. No yeah. one knows, so you have to. <laughs> it's hard, but yeah, I feel like once I can get them, once I can get them talking, and I and the and I almost feel like I'm writing it. Based on what I've heard them say, I don't yeah. know how to ex- describe it, but that's when I feel like, okay, now, we've, now, yeah. now that's a real person. And then you see it on screen, And then, but if you get another crack at him the next season, it's even better.
0: Yeah. I would really love to see a new character by the name of Bruce enter the series at some point. Yeah. Uh, he's a big fan of karate. He's come down from Hong Kong to Taz, to Tassie. Well, karate's Japanese, so, he'd, <laughs> you know. But he, I mean, he'd definitely know karate uh, <laughs> as part of his um,
1: as part of his system of fighting, huh? <laughs> But um, yeah, I, um, I would love to do a uh, martial arts episode of uh, Rose Heaven. <laughs> just choreograph a fight. Just for uh, the whole half an whole hour. Just the whole half hour, just action scenes.
0: And you're, you win the whole. Oh, man. One. one of the writers, because <laughs> <it> we <will> win. <laughs> you're the last one's uh, What do you like on set? Uh, is your trailer much bigger than everyone else's? <laughs>
1: Um, Seals and I get our own. Um, we 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 share a trailer with. Um, uh, like so, the it's like the trailer has like two rooms. So yeah. one section's for us, one section's for the uh, actors we have on set that day. Um, yeah. Do you
0: talk to them off set or you just sort of keep to yourself?
1: Uh, no, no, I just sit in the spa bath until I'm cold, <laughs> and then someone puts a towel on me and like, I walk in set. <laughs> So lines are we'll more Uh No, it's um yeah. The, the, sometimes it's hard because Seals are on and I are in almost every scene. Um, mm. And also we're doing work that night. If we're all, we also have to be across like different production things. It's hard. We, sometimes we don't have a lot of energy left to um, give anyone. Mm. Um, so there must be a f- couple of extras we've had on set. Just go. These guys are snobs. <laughs> they don't talk to anyone. <laughs> because you just got no energy yeah. like you just drained so you sort of sometimes i'll just sit I, I, some episodes i remember towards the end i was um i would just go we were filming this um in New Norfolk somewhere and i when we'd sort of cut and they'd go to reset the cameras i'd actually just walk outside and just sit on a bench and just i'd just sit on the bench wouldn't even look at my phone i'd just sit there on the bench to try and recharge yeah a bit of me time cuz you get tired um but it's the good thing is and i have each other, I suppose, and we don't. We're at a level now where we don't need to say anything to sort of hang out, so we can yeah. just sort of sit. So we'll be able to go on the trailer and just sit together and just veg out, and it's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, but we we try and make other people on set feel welcome, um, as much as possible, just to even if it's just even if it's just saying one thing of a mm-hmm. high, but it's um, it's hard. It's it's something I've only got so because I'm any more introverted, I've only got I sort of have to recharge by myself, yeah. Um, so I do find it difficult to be on set for twelve, fourteen hours and
0: So you can be on there for and be, that long sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and
1: just be trying to be Mr. Talkative to everyone all the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. But uh but you know, it's not really an issue. Everyone's really um
0: nice about that and um I'm sure even like the nicest guys in Hollywood like you Tom Hanks after a twelve fourteen day. Wouldn't be as nice as he is. Oh yeah. at the start of the day. That's
1: that's when I hear like you know in that Christian Bale tap leak where he was just going off at a sound person for making mm. a noise while he was doing it. I'm like I, I kind of I'm like yeah. I mean it's not a great thing to have on tape, but I I, I get it. Yeah. Because I I I I only imagine the horrendous hours he was working. Yeah. And he's not doing comedy. He's doing physically demanding scenes that uh, and you know maybe you, or maybe you're doing a scene where it's um. You have to cry every time and in order to cry, you're channeling a dead relative mm. in order to get tears to come out and if someone in the background is um, mucking around and that's stopped you, uh, ruined a take, it's, 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 I, I, I get it. Especially yeah. when you've got um, – uh, we have to deal a lot with um, not a lot of daylight so mm. we, um, we'll we we'll reach a point sometimes where um, we've only got like five minutes to grab something really important and that's yep. the only chance we'll have to get it And if, um, and if we don't get it, we just don't have it. Mm. So we really need everyone to be on yeah. on the ball. Otherwise, if um, if someone's mucking about or if someone's phone goes off and ruins the only take we had, yeah. it's just like oh man. Um, and uh, I'm happy to say that uh, once uh, one of my phones went off during a take that was really important <laughs> and uh, had to buy on a slap. So that was uh But uh, yeah, it was um, yeah. It's 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 weird. It's a, it's a it's, it's it's this dumb made up make believe pretend thing you get to do that's Mm. that's not anywhere near as important as most jobs that exist in the world. Um, (laughs) But it's also really intense and stressful sometimes because you spend a whole year working towards this one joke that can be ruined because a cloud um, goes over the sun and now the lighting's different and now you can't use that take. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, I look forward to seeing the, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people do, the outcome of Season 3, which will be out, as you say, February 2019 um that's about it mate Do you want to plug any social media before we wrap it up what are you you're on uh instagram
1: on the gram luke mcgregor uh luke i think it's luke w mcgregor i think luke william Gamer. my middle name's. i had to check w in there because someone took luke mcgregor yeah that was um, me. sorry,
0: mate.
1: yeah and i thought you bought my all <laughs> um twitter twitter same yeah um but yeah luke w mcgregor
0: and if uh, you've got a facebook page as well
1: I think it's just, I think it's official, Luke McGregor or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know she if there's an imposter gone. Luke McGregor out there <laughs> trying to. Um, Excellent, mate. but yeah, I uh, I don't know. Yeah, f- uh, I don't. Um, I think Instagram is my favourite at the moment, just because I like taking. F- it's f- f- a funny photo I find easier than writing a funny tweet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so much easier to. Yeah, because you can take a photo of say whatever and then just yeah. make a joke about it, whereas yeah. with a tweet you just got this. Just looking at this blank page on my phone, going, <laughs> nah. Yeah. Or just writing, spending like four hours writing a tweet and then going, no, nah, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Take a
0: photo. Great, mate. Well, that's it. Everybody, I'll, I'll, I'll plug your social media as well in the end of the podcast. But that is it. Thanks very much for taking it easy with me today.
1: Um, thanks for having me, buddy. Um, I appreciate it. If I don't get at least a million new followers, <laughs> I'll regard this as a huge waste of time. Mate.
0: You definitely get three. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, mate. Thanks, buddy. Hey, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, as Luke mentioned there, you can follow him on social media. He's on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, both his, uh, and both of those, his name is Luke W. McGregor. McGregor is M-C-G-R-E-G-O-R. And on Facebook, he has a Facebook comedian page as well, which is Luke, just Luke McGregor, no W, in that one. So get around those. Uh, keep an eye out for Rosehaven early 2019 and try and see him live if you can. He's absolutely awesome stand-up. Uh, Thanks very much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed it, please tell your friends. Uh, It's on iTunes, obviously, and there's 25 or so other episodes. Uh, You can subscribe, give it a rating, maybe leave a comment. That would be nice. Uh, Tell some friends. If they don't have iTunes, you can just check it out on my website, which is danielconnell.com.au. It's in the podcast section. You can just press play and away you go. Uh, Also, you can follow me on Instagram as well, Daniel Connell Comedy and my Facebook page as well as Daniel Connell Comedy. Give that a like if you get a chance. That is it. Thanks very much for listening. As I say, see you next time and take it easy.